This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Three, two, one. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is time once again for the Marketing Geeks. Coming to you live from Southern California. And the Netherlands. That's our new theme music, man. We uh, welcome Garrett. Uh, uh, in fact, uh, this is the moment I really want to introduce our guest. So first of all, a couple of, couple of things. Uh, uh, number one, we've got to pay some bills. So uh, hang on. And then I've got some big news for you. So we'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, thank you, thank you. Um, uh, so, first of all, new theme music because uh, we had one of our uh, seven listeners said that they didn't like how long it was, so we shortened it for you. And if you notice the awkward silence at the end of the theme music, it's because I I, I didn't know where to go. I was yeah, it's so short of, that we was like we don't even know what to ad lib there. <laughs> I know. So we got to we got to fill some time. And before we get started, I want to take a chance to promote an upcoming free webinar that the Marketing Geeks are going to be putting on. It's taking place on July 31st. So mark your calendars. We are doing a webinar on podcasting. It's called the Podcast Launchpad, aka the Podcast Mastery Course because the URL to register for the course is podcastmasterycourse.com. So if you go to podcastmasterycourse.com, you can register for the webinar and that webinar will be taking place on Wednesday, July July 31st at 11.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So go to the website, register for the course, and we will see you live on the webinar uh, in two weeks. Uh, and and uh, next, I would like to uh, introduce our fabulous guest who uh, took some time to be here with us. Uh, our guest is uh, a uh, CEO of uh, of, a, of a company called Directive. You can find it at directiveconsulting.com. He's an expert in uh, in a public speaker. Uh, he is a podcaster. Uh, he has a wealth of knowledge of different things that I'm passionate about, and I really am excited to have him. And without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Garrett... Merta. <laughs> I totally messed up your last name, didn't I, man? It was, it, it wasn't even remotely close, but it had good, oh, good energy. And that started the first syllable was right. I, yeah, I, I mean, I was there. Like, you got the mayor part, and I mean, that's the hardest part. So, no, that was pretty, pretty impressive. Man, I, I, I saw that coming like a Mack truck, and I'm like, I, I'm just, I'm gonna say it. And I, I'm going to screw it up, and it, lo and behold, self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, just to give you, just to give you your proper introduction, his name is Garrett Mergut. Wow, Mergut. That that yeah. sounds good. Has a good ring to it. Yeah, much better. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Well, thanks for having so, me. Guys. Uh, Glad to be here. Oh, Garrett, thank you, thank you. And uh, uh, why don't you? Uh, you have an interesting background. I, I, I'd love to hear from your own mouth. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, what you know, what you do, uh, and why we think you're an awesome guest for the marketing geeks. Yeah. Well, um, started in marketing about five years ago now and 
went to school, uh, not for marketing, but for economics. Had fun, uh, did that in three years, um, did my master's the fourth year. I was playing soccer. I was kind of trying to live that dream of being the pro soccer player. Hurt my knee. Wow. I was like, okay, you know, I got to still make money. So figure this out. I was working a bunch of odd jobs around school and was like, hey, I should start my own consulting firm. Maybe I should get experience. So, you know, I applied to Boston, Bain, Deloitte, McKinsey. Got rejected by all of them quite succinctly. Like they are very swift with those rejections. Um, they did not wait around. So from did, did there, did you just get the form letter? Did you just like we have many qualified applicants? So well, F off and die. <laughs> yeah. So it was literally what happened was is you go in those places. They have these hiring portals. You go in, and I'm like, hey, where's my school? I had to apply as other. They didn't have my school. I'm like, great, that's not good. And. <laughs> That that was pretty much like they don't tell you that, by the way, like when you're like trying to decide what school to go to, they're not like, hey, just right. so you know, you really want to get a good job. Probably not a great idea for going here. But other than that, great community. You're going to love it. And so up until recently, all you had to do was bribe the officials. You know, it's like, what, 300 grand you can go to any school you want. Now you know, I mean, right? it's changing. It's changing a bit now. But. Yeah. So I mean, so it's just basically like a drop down menu. It was like Yale, Harvard, other. Right. Yeah, it was exactly. It was like that. I'm like Wharton, Stanford. I'm like, nope, nope. Where, where am I? <laughs> and I get down to it. I'm like, God, darn it. Okay, well, here we go. Uh, I'll. Go, I'm gonna go for it anyway, though. Press like literally submit. Like I kid you not, they're complete savages. They could have waited at least like a day or an hour. <laughs> it was pretty much like one of those auto. It was like a vacation responder. Like, <laughs> out of the office yeah, like, oh, i'm sorry but you know due to the high quality of applicants we get every year i'm like damn all right so i said <laughs> you know you ain't one i'm like oh you're gonna regret this day i'm gonna start my own consulting firm and you're gonna have to acquire me one day and, and so kind of went that route little did they know i had my own printer so i uh designed flyers was like, this is why you should hire me. Here's all the marketing stuff I can do for you. It was mostly just like build you Yelp page, Facebook, hand out flyers. Like, you know, I was pretty much a peasant of marketing at that point. <laughs> and uh, handed out a bunch of flyers. I was on an old 1978 Peugeot moped just trying to, you know, get by. I was, I think, independent consulting for two uh, guys who had like professional services businesses. And what year I, was this? Five years ago. Okay. So like we're on 2014. Yeah. And um, yeah, just doing all that kind of stuff, just really just trying to figure out, okay, how do I get into this consulting game? I figured, you know, older men and women had uh, purchasing power. They had authority, they had companies um, and they don't know the internet. So I figured they look at me and they assume I know things. So I figured <laughs> I should probably just know things and I could charge them for the things I know as long as they don't know them. Right? That's right. You're younger than them, so you must yeah. know the internet better. Yes, exactly. And I had no clue. Like, I didn't even get a smartphone or Instagram until like junior year of college. Like I wasn't up with the times, you know. Like, and so I, uh, I was like a jock, you know. What I mean, like I was just a hard worker and I was smart, but I wasn't like super. Like I wasn't a computer science guy. I, I was did like econ models and regression analysis on like spreadsheets. Um, you know, I wasn't in the marketing world. I never even took a marketing class till my master's. Oh right god, that shit's like kryptonite to me, man. Yeah. Fucking Excel. That's <laughs> <laughs> you want to you want to just see like a like a a, a DOSS uh, attack on my brain. Just hold up yeah. a spreadsheet and go. Give me the data on this. And I, yeah. I what's the T stat on this variable? And you're like, oh, oh yeah. Forget about so, it. That's what I was doing. I took one marketing class in my master's and then I kind of started helping these guys and these guys inevitably, every business that you help needs more money. And so they kind of look to you like, hey, how could we grow? And I had ideas, but I didn't know much and they weren't good ideas, um, but there were better ideas than they had. So I was still helping them move forward, but not that fast. So I, you know, I took about, you know, a good amount of time and I just tried to read everything that had ever been written on search marketing. Um, and I took my limited money that I had and I started buying conference tickets and just trying to learn everything I could. And so I started to learn a little bit, started writing what I was learning. Um, I was on Fiverr selling social media calendars. I had these two guys and I got this Mediterranean restaurant, um, did stuff for them for about 30 days. Not, no search marketing, just like basic Facebook Yelp pricing and up flyers for this little restaurant in like class Z building in a strip mall. 
in East LA. And then, you know, came back on the 30th day to get my check. He said, come back tomorrow. Whole place was boarded up. So that is, you know, <laughs> I, I, uh, fail professionally. Like this business has just been one failure after another. Um, but and that's know, why it's, that's why it's successful, right? Yeah, never you, but you, but you grind it on, you grind it on, you, you weathered the storm, right? Oh yeah, man. I mean, are you kidding me? Every day is like that. You get like, Oh, Hey, you know, we lost this account or Hey, we got this account. Like, you know, consulting and search marketing is brutal, man. You just, yeah. every day has like an up and a down, like, and they're guaranteed to go together. Like second you get too high, so you get brought down. So you get too low, you get brought back up. It, it's kind of I know it, yeah. it's crazy because I I actually I, it was so because I was in Southern California. I, I I lived right near Justin. That's how we met. Uh, and and uh, he was doing a uh, uh, he came to one of my classes I was teaching for uh, for Score, and uh, we hit it off right away. And uh, but but uh, you know I had a I had just had my baby, and I I it was like it was it was a grind. So I had to leave the country and uh, in order to to find decent work. And, uh, yep. you know, but but uh, but you you got over that hump, which is pretty incredible. In fact, you hit on something that uh, we get this a lot from from people who contact us, uh, which is how do I make it? How do I start? How do I start it as a marketer? And this story that that you just told is what you do. It's a, you just need to know a little tiny bit more than the most knowledgeable person in the room. And, and, and that's it. Yeah, I think. Um, and then, you know, we just decided to try to turn every client into a case study. And when I started, I always just wanted to have the best and biggest search agency. That was kind of it. And so I never treated it as a small consulting practice. Um, and that helps. I think that's one of the most important things that, frankly, uh, People don't understand when they're starting businesses is your business becomes what you desire um, because you intrinsically with your subconscious, right? You just, you make certain decisions to build the company that you want. And the problem is a lot of times people don't intrinsically say what they want. So if they say, look, I just want to do really good work and have freedom. That sounds like an amazing boutique firm, but you'll never be able to kind of do that necessarily and be a really large one. And if you want to be really large, you got to be okay with not doing the work, which which is – and then essentially, you know, setting really high standards and holding people accountable to those because, you know, it's just a game in the sense that, like, whatever you decide to build, you can totally build in this space. Like, there's no real reason why you couldn't other than the fact that you aren't able to deliver or you're not able to attract the clients. And then the third hardest thing, right, and the most actually important thing and the hardest actually is the HR. Can you hire talent? Uh, at the same velocity that you can acquire accounts. It's actually easier to get accounts than it is to get talent. And so, you know, the game changes as you get larger uh, and your focus goes a little bit less to new business and a lot more to retention and new talent. And so it's kind of funny how, you know, the agency world kind of changes you as a person and how the game kind of grows. But going back to going back when you were getting started, you said that every client was a case study. Now, when you were, when you were doing that as a case yeah. study, were you giving discounts or taking on free work in the beginning or were you just, they were paying full price and then you were still getting the testimonial stories? Well, I didn't really understand what full price meant. So, you know, I was in an Uber one day and struggling to pay for the darn thing. And the Uber driver starts talking about SEO and he's clueless, like doesn't know anything about this. Like I live in and breathing, you know, I'm doing 14, 15 hours a day, reading every article, writing for every publication. You know, I'm like a 22 year old kid. I got nothing to do with my time except this. <laughs> and so... This Uber guy, I'm like, this guy doesn't know anything, but I'm not like rude to him or anything. I just asked him, hey, so, you know, I just wanted to learn because I figured every time I got that opportunity to learn something about the industry is what I was more, con I was always more concerned with how the game worked than how search worked because search marketing to me was simple and I could figure out, it was more about figuring out, okay, do you have the right pricing? How do you deliver quality product? Do you do weekly updates, monthly updates? How do you automate those? Can you not automate them? What's, how do you organize them? And so I've always been much more concerned with the operations of the business and how quality works and how you can grow uh, than like if this new link building tactic will truly move the needle according to Google's guidelines. Like that doesn't get my juices flowing as much. Um, <laughs> so, well, let me, yeah. let me ask you there if I, if, if you don't mind me pausing yeah. you for a second, because this is actually something that we don't really talk about uh, that much on the show, but it's, it's this, like the deliverables when you, when you have a client 
Mm-hmm. What do your deliverables look like? Like, do you give them weekly updates? What format does yeah. that take? Like, what, what do you do? Do you write the ads? Do you write the ads? Yeah, yeah, yeah like, we do. Copy. We do full service in search marketing. We operate on quarterly strategies, annual game plans, monthly data analysis, and incredibly thorough weekly updates. We are what you wished your internal employee did for you. So, so what do those deliverables look like? First of all, I mean, what, what do you use certain platforms to deliver that? Do you have custom reports that you've made like graphically? What, what do they look like and how do you deliver them? Yeah, yeah we have a full um, SQL team that does everything, essentially all our data. And so we take every API in the search industry, plus all our clients' marketing data, plus their sales data, if we can get access to it. We put it, all that data blended together in a search database uh, in SQL. We then put that into a Sysense. So every one of our clients has our own application, essentially, with all their data on their phone, on their computer, that they can splice and dice in any way they want. And they have, it's kind of an open playground for them. So that if you want like everything from the SEMrush API, everything from the Moz API, everything from the Ahrefs API, plus all your marketing data, and then you want to layer it, do trend analysis, do anything you want, like we give that to our clients uh, free of charge, which is pretty bitching. Yeah, so it's That's like an interactive, awesome. it's an interactive report? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's fully customizable. You want to change a date. You want to change a time. You want to do uh, comparison analysis. You want to try to drive, cor- drive correlations. Like we can see across our whole portfolio of 70 accounts, right? That link building, like links acquired has the highest correlation to organic traffic growth of any of our metrics from any search API in the market. And so we can confidently say that you need to invest in link building. And here's, you know, 70 accounts that are, you know, pretty, pretty large accounts. Uh, and, and here's the data to back it up. And then we can anonymize that. Uh, so we know the average cost per lead for essentially the pretty much, you know, I've got probably 60 SaaS accounts. Um, mm-hmm. So software as a service, so I can tell you average cost per lead by channel. Uh, I can benchmark you. I can help you do anything you want. So in other words, imagine all the things that people hire agencies for, not just cutting costs. In other words, like domain expertise, shared data across multiple accounts, real thought processes, like real data, real opinions. All of that is why people hire us um, and why I think we've been you know, so successful and grown is because we're trying to deliver a truly differentiated service, not just a better service. That's, that's really amazing. And so, so let me ask you, is this like something that you could actually uh, turn into your own uh, SaaS, your own software as a service? Yeah. I mean, I think the hard part in the services space is the second, like the problem is, is it's hard to do SaaS on someone else's platform. So you'd really have to build your own platform. Um, mm-hmm. so I have two data guys right now. I'm building a tool, our first ever SaaS product, um, that essentially changes the way, hopefully the whole industry does keyword research and thinks about keyword research. Um, mm. so that's hopefully lo- uh, launching before November 1st. So nice. we have some of that stuff going and we're building a new learning management system, uh, that is actually completable, a novel concept, um, and it is practical. So you don't walk away knowing more about keyword research. You walk away knowing exactly how to do keyword research. And I don't have so much information on keyword research that you can't finish it, but instead you actually can accomplish it. It's a succinct course. You walk away with actual skills and you can do it in a reasonable amount of hours. There's this weird thing in the market where everybody has like 300 hours of courses, which is like pitched as a good thing, but then their completion rate's so low that essentially like, you know, I really want to actually help people. And so we're trying to find that size of really thoroughness but without being overly large where people can't actually finish um so yeah we're doing a lot of stuff like that because we're not doing any small business anymore Mm -hmm. and so we're kind of coming up with new revenue streams to get rid of our small business consulting so what are some ways that you're using uh keyword research that you said you're doing it differently i'd like to hear a little bit of the how how is it different with your company versus the traditional models of keyword research yeah so traditionally in seo um and in-house marketers soar like a sole way of communicating value from their SEO efforts. If you're in-house is organic traffic, um, organic conversions. Some people are using Google click ID and are able to map it to organic leads, organic opportunities, organic deals, and organic revenue. I'd say that's less than 5% of our portfolio. And we're dealing with fairly large organizations for the most part. So even the largest organizations in the world are fairly immature. Um, with their data sharing across essentially like for for full attribution. So we can give them that. So we can actually map everything into sales data for them using Google click ID and our SQL team, which is nice. Um, But the way we're changing it is instead of you having to think about organic traffic and keywords and like, okay, where does my website rank for this keyword? Look how good I'm doing. Um, That's really like 
frankly, like a primitive way of thinking about it. But nobody's built a tool that allows you to look at it differently. So the way we're trying to measure search marketing is to create intrinsic value from search, not just lead gen value. So what I mean by that is traditionally, like you're only as good as your rankings. But then like what people don't understand is you can't even rank for keywords now in 2019 that are most valuable to your business. So if you go into your Google ads account and you look at your terms that have the most value from your paid ads and you look at that exact search term report and then you go try to see who's ranking for those terms. Yeah, forget it. So if you it. search top ERP software, right? If you're on your computer right now, you're listening, search top ERP software. What you'll find is that no individual website actually ranks in the top 10. It's like software advice, Captera, G2 Crowd, GetApp, technology advice, finances online, all these random third-party review sites. See, I call this the Yelp and the Amazon effect. Now, the problem is, is the in-house marketer can't do any tracking of those channels, at least automated-wise. And so what they do is they can't say they're valuable. And so they can't show how they're positioning a brand to be discovered at the bottom of the funnel and show that that's intrinsically valuable. So we're building a tool that instead of tracking all the times that your website ranks, our tool tracks all the time that your brand is mentioned for keywords. And so it's less about owning and what you're doing with your website and more about how your brand is being discovered. Like that's the whole reason SEO exists and got started was people wanted to their brands, especially the products and services they sell to be discoverable when people search for them. But the only way they could show that they were discoverable is if their website showed up. But your website's one of 10 results. In other words, it's a 10th of the equation. And if you're not ranking number one, by the way, you have a 30% click-through rate at one. By the time you get past the fifth result, the click-through rate's so marginal that unless it's a massive query, you're going to struggle to turn that into any real clicks, which turns into any real leads, which eventually turns into any real revenue based on your conversion rate and your close rate. And so I'm helping people rethink. And instead of trying to rank for more keywords across a lot of different journeys, I want you to show up more often for the right keywords, regardless of if it's your website or not. And by doing that, essentially taking market share at the bottom of the funnel when we know the timing's right and allowing your brand to show up in multiple places throughout that buying journey, you all of a sudden start to drastically influence pipeline revenue and grow your business. And that's what we do. That's really cool, man. So so can you give us like a kind of talk us through an example of this, like the way that you you uh, like how you would approach a business with this and the, the, the journey you would take them through? Yeah. So let's assume you are starting a new company um, called Chronology. Marketing Geeks. Marketing Geeks. Yeah, Marketing Geeks. I'm asking for a friend. Yeah. So we have a new (laughs) company called Marketing Geeks. It's a software company in the podcast hosting space and trying to get started and take market share away from people like Pippa and the rest of them. Make sense? Yeah, 100%. So you have a marginal spend, no historical data, and you're a little guy swimming with the sharks. Okay. What you do as marketing geeks, as you change the game, because perception is reality. And so what you do is you get your users, your first users and your beta, whatever that is. And we immediately go identify if we search podcast hosting, top podcast hosting, podcast hosting software, we go through every bottom of funnel query in the market. And then we identify every third party review site. Software Advice and Captera are both owned by Gartner. So if we can get two, we can get one review and put it on two sites. So we'll probably focus on those to start. And so what you'll do then is you'll get reviews from all your customers. So let's go take an example right now. We're just going to use this. I'm going to be searching this. So we're going to take podcast hosting software. Okay. So then we search this. The uh, number one result, podcast generator. Not, so this is a, what I would call an untapped vertical. What this means is it's underdeveloped vertical where third-party review sites haven't determined there's enough volume for their business model to work. So this is a hard example because podcast hosting is so new. Um, let me see if I can get podcast software extension. Or you could just say, like, how about meeting software? You could go bigger, like meeting meeting software. Yeah, meeting software. Yeah. So you search meeting software. Number one result is Captera. Okay. Number two, go to meeting, Zoom, PC Mag. So PC Mag is an ad buy. So is um, Captera. Essentially, you're paying per click. So on Captera, we would pay per click, and you'll see the number one results life size. They have 61 reviews. So even though your new company called marketing geeks which is a meeting software 
just got started, if we can get you, let's say 70 reviews or even 62 reviews, you're now the number one player in that space. If you look at number three, high five, that's actually a client of ours. Um, and so you'll see us managing essentially their ad placement here, as well as their custom landing pages and the whole buying experience. And so this is called getting your positioning right. Once we have your positioning right, we can then take this thing on captera.com forward slash web dot or dash conferencing dash software. You can take this exact thing, copy, paste it, put it in SEM rush. And then you can take every keyword that that URL ranks for. And if you're already profitable on Captera, you can then launch single keyword ad groups on every keyword that ranks in the top five that the Captera page ranks in the top five for. And then you can essentially expand with confidence your ad campaigns because you already know that everybody searching those keywords when they land on Captera, you're able to turn them into customers. So all we do then is go after those direct keywords find more third-party ad sites, and we keep taking market share where you're profitable and we slowly grow your pipeline. So wow. let's talk about the third-party ad sites. Um, so what's your process with those third-party ad sites? Let's say you find a review site. I'm yep. talking about the third-party review site. Yep. Um, are, are you just contacting? I mean, are you buying reviews? Like how are, how are you going no, to do that? No, we're not buying reviews. Um, a lot of them, like G2 will work with the customer because uh, they're more of a SaaS model. Captera does a little less work, so we have to come up with our own campaigns. Maybe it's a $5 Amazon gift cards if you leave a review. Maybe it's, you know, um, people who are already part of maybe your customer kind of like a customer community that's private uh, and they get early access to beta uh, to join. You have to leave, you know, a review. Um, if they leave, let's say, eight out a review better than 8 out of 10, it'll then send them to Captera to leave a review. So you can still screen it. So there's a lot of like you can use to like gather up. That's more for local businesses. There's a lot of screening tools. So you'll screen the reviews and then you'll send the screened reviews to Captera. Now, what about what about copy writing the ads? Have yeah. you um, do you have like a headline formula that you use or what? Can you talk a little bit about what your process is for copywriting? Yeah, the process is just having a process. I think that's the, the you know, the hard part is a lot of us um, are really busy when it comes to copy. And so we don't do the bare minimum, uh, which I think we need to all be doing. And so you can use something. Like in Google ads, you can run an experiment, just write three different copies for ads. Well, I would test one for clarity one and one for emotion. Those are the two things I focus on is clarity and emotion and then see which one wins. But you just have to start doing like the hard part about digital marketing today is that we're all so stupid, like myself included. Like it made it stupid. <laughs> you don't know because, me. You don't know me. <laughs> but it, not in a bad, like just in like a, we got lazy way. Like if we can't, like we, we worry so much about data improving ourselves. We stopped thinking about like, why does someone choose my product? Right. <laughs> so true. What, what's the fundamentals? You lost the fundamentals, right? Yeah, we all did. Myself included. Like, okay, what's my biggest pain right now? What, why, why would like, what pain would cause me to reach out? What, why, okay, why would I need to search for this? Like what's going on in my personal life? What's like, what's the buying journey? Like, like what kind of approval do I need? Okay, what, why, and then we don't eat, like how many of us actually like talk to our customers and be like, Hey, why did you hire us? Well, what do you, what do you like most about our business? And then take that and redo our copy. But my point here is like the biggest stuff we can do as marketers, we're still forgetting. And it's all positioning. It's positioning and pricing and differentiation. You know, if you go look and the best example, of this is like Amazon basic, right? Better doesn't matter. People are only willing to pay so much for better. And it's, you can see it in the space. You want to go look at brooms. You can have the best broom and you charge $30, but if Amazon Basics comes in and gives me a solid broom for five bucks, I'm going to choose the Amazon Basics one every time. And now if you have a completely different broom and it's 30 bucks, I mean, I'm excited about this. Think of Tesla. Tesla didn't build a better car. They built an entirely different car. What else? What other car on the market updates? So you walk up, wake up one morning and it charges 20% faster. You got a new car for free. Nobody does that, right? So you're willing to pay more because it's different. Yeah, that's better. That was interesting because you know? I, 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 have you read the um, Ashley Vance uh, biography of Elon Musk? Uh, no, I haven't. It's great. It's great. And they, he mentions that where he, when he was coming up with a concept, he wanted, he wanted something, a car that ran like an app where it had updates and yeah. they added cool stuff. And that's, you know, and you're touching on a, a really interesting uh, point here. Uh, one of them being that uh, I think that a lot of marketers, like the big mistake that a lot of marketers are doing, and it's 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 crushing people, is uh, they're using these same like okay the you know got to run the keywords and do the keyword research and 
you know, do the keyword planner and the whole bit. And they're, they're, you know, or the Facebook marketing, which I, I hate now. I don't want to give that company one penny of anyone's money. Uh, but, uh, uh, but, but I, I think that these are really interesting tactics because, uh, most people kind of stick to the tried and true. And, and so, so let's say now, um, hypothetically that you, cause one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was like lead generation. So this leads directly into that. Yeah. So people are, are coming into your, uh, your shop. Now your rankings are going up. Uh, one of the things that I know is that Google also looks for contextual sort of uh, searches where if there's a certain word that comes up with a certain product on different uh, sites with authority, then it will it will start associating those keywords as well. And uh, so is this something that you've you've recognized? Have you seen that happen with this process? Well, like I think one of the strongest signals in Google, too, and this is why I believe so much in brand is if like your brand is being talked about on a bunch of other results for that keyword, it's a lot easier for your website to rank as well in the top 10. So if you like, search now, is, that, top is that only on top. Google or are you talking about social mentions on social media as well? I'm not talking social mentions. So I'm just talking like, if you search like a SEO agency right now, like you should find directive consulting site, you know, maybe number one or number two, top three up there. We're also mentioned on a lot of other sites. So my point is, is it's a lot easier to show up in the top 10 with your own website if you're also mentioned on other websites that are in the top 10 for that query. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And so okay. the way I look at SEO is really different than a lot of people. And I just focus on two things. Number one is your brand. Like everything has to come down to product market fit. Like if I was just another agency and I didn't have unique branding in a B2B and, enter- and enterprise, I wouldn't have a competitive advantage when pitching against other agencies. So if like our customer doesn't have a competitive advantage, it doesn't matter how much organic traffic we send there. It's very hard to essentially monetize that traffic because they, there's no intrinsic reason about why you're like, ideally what you want is when your ideal customer persona searches and finds you, they're like, oh my God, finally, like I had no idea something like this existed. Like that's how aligned you need to be with your customer into the segment that you're the best fit for. And like only like 1% of companies have any business going after like multiple segments. Like that's great for Salesforce. That's not great for like the new guy or the small person who has a multi-billion dollar market cap. Like we so need let's to go, go back. Uh, yeah. Let's go back real quick to the third party uh, review sites. So when, when you have your customers leaving reviews on those sites, are you kind of control, are you asking them to leave reviews with those keywords so that the brand mention is? Uh, no, what you want? that's more like a local tactic, like using GMB and Yelp and stuff. Um, yeah. Like we do a bunch of stuff. Um, like we've had some pretty cool local accounts for a couple of years now. Um, uh, pretty large enterprise players, you know, with 20,000 agents in the country or something. We'll do all their SEO. And a lot of that matters um, in the local algorithm. It's still like a more primal, primitive algorithm within the Google kind of set. Yeah. Um, that's <laughs> easier to spam and manipulate. That's what no. I say about the. That's what I say about the podcast iTunes algorithm. Yeah, it's, it's like, like that super. Story. It's super basic. Yeah, <laughs> ASO and all of that's still really underdeveloped. Like I, I when I was first getting started in this game, I did an app and I ranked them number one for sunglasses and glasses above Warby Parker and the rest of them. Uh, by just doing some app store optimization using Sensor Tower and doing the whole game. Uh, and local is kind of like that to a certain extent, where if you can get the right reviews, you can pick you know a central location for an office that's going to be around a majority of searchers in that area. If you can get more reviews, the right reviews, contextual like copy in the reviews, all that matters. But for like Captera and software advice has no meaning. Well, since no we're talking value. about organic lead gen, Let's say that somebody clicks to your website. Um, how are you structuring the the page that they land on to convert them from prospect visiting the page to lead? And are you using like Hotjar to track um, the you know, what where the users are clicking on or where they're moving their mouse or what what are you doing there? Yeah, so the product suite for us is uh, Google Optimize, so we can run A/B testing as well as Hotjar, so we can get data. Um, so we usually use both of those. But for me, the the big thing first is just psychological friction. And so traditionally, I like to have two offers, um, one for informational intent and then one for purchasing intent. So one for someone who's just trying to explore and then one for someone who's ready to buy. And both of them should have an alignment where the person feels like they're getting 
as much as they're giving you. In other words, like one of the biggest things we do with our software clients is they almost all universally have schedule a demo, get a demo, request a demo as their call to action. But intrinsically, that means give us your information, Mr. Mrs. Potential Customer. And in return, you're going to sit there for an hour, hate your life, and you may or may not get your question asked and get pricing at the end and will be twice as expensive as you want. But hey, this is how it works. Like that is actually kind of what's going on. And so we'll do something like, well, we'll take their best account executive or we'll have them record or hire a video agency to build a really beautiful product demo video. And now we pitch a demo video instead of scheduling a demo. Either way, an SDR and account executive still work, like reaches out and it doesn't change anything about their sales flow. What it does is it takes their conversion rates from 1% to 2% to 15%, lowers their CPA and makes advertising scalable. And so we come in and we really focus on those types of things with our accounts that are going to really move the needle, which is really understanding why does someone want to hire you? What do they get? And really focusing on that offer. And that's where you're going to see a lot of the success. Hmm. Wow, that's that's uh, that's pretty unique. I mean, it's it you know you you you've really thought this thing out kind of from uh, start to finish, and I um, uh, I like the concept of of how to do that. I mean, one of the things I was I was oh yeah man, it's uh, it's fun. It's a uh, it's you know, yeah. Do you know anybody else that does this, or is this something that you like a kind of a methodology that you've just kind of refined over the over the course of the couple of years? Um. There's a lot of players in our space who have all these different deliverables. Um, I think learning how to package the deliverables in a way that is intrinsically valuable to an in-house marketer, given what their most common restrictions are around time, resources, and goals, um, you can kind of sell it the right way. Uh, Yeah, there are a lot of people out there. I think we're unique in the sense of our portfolio. Um, You know, we have 60 full-time employees, but only 70 accounts. And so... You know, our average person here is only working on five to six accounts and you can't work on more than seven and you, you don't do the work and communicate. So you're always at least a team of two. So having two people always on an account, even just for an SEO deliverable, there'd still be two people on the account. And both those people would probably only have four to five other accounts. And so you're getting so many more hours and so much more time. Um, and we only work with, you know, mid-market and enterprise players or, you know, really well-funded startups that are in high growth mode. Um, and so, you know, it, it allows us to have a deeper deliverable. So it's not that other companies don't want to do it. It's just if you charge 3K, you can't, you don't, you don't charge enough to give your team the hours available to do real marketing. So you end up doing all process-driven marketing, which unique, I mean, which fails, obviously, uh, when you get a customer who's stuck or something's not working, and then you end up just churning that customer because you're whole, you're like a chop shop. And, and you know, we we had almost started to become that ourselves. It's really hard to have a low purchase price, even of like three or 4K and not be a chop shop uh, because you have to put too many accounts on your team. You burn out your team. Right. Your team can't do strategic work, hurts your brand. So we just had to make a conscious choice that, you know, we don't want to have a good deliverable for the price point. We want to have a great deliverable period. And, and that's just something, if you're really honest with yourself, that you have to decide one day. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about your transition from being the worker doing, you know, doing the uh, fulfillment work, to, <clears throat> excuse me, to being the manager and hiring people? Like, what was that transition like for you? Because I'm kind of in that point in my business where I'm now, you know, ready to hire people and bring on a team. And I want to hear a little bit about your experience and how that transition kind of played out for you. Yeah. So for me, the the unique part, kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, is I never did the work really. Like, I, like I never was in my business in that sense. Like, when I was, it was only to learn it so I could train the next person. So like, my very first thing I did was I had my best friend join the company and I taught him everything I had learned and he did all the work, like literally like <laughs> from day one. So I had no intention of ever being anything but the biggest or the best I could be. And so I never really did the work like that. I actually learned it from just doing it for my own website. And so I did all the marketing and sales for our website for the first five years. Um, and now I'm actually out of the marketing and the sales and more just strategy. Um, so yeah, I don't actually do anything around here. <laughs> I just <kind> of <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think I, I still have my hands on everything and I'm in all the meetings, but I don't own anything really here other than trying to help people get be aligned with the direction and the vision I have for the firm. And so I mostly just do alignment all day, every day. Well, for not doing the work and for only being in this business for five years and starting from zero, it sounded like uh, you're pretty knowledgeable at this point. So it sounds like you've made some good progress. 
Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, I, <laughs> I spent a lot of time doing my own marketing and stuff, you know, and and obviously like, you know, reading a lot and, and strategizing a lot uh, and helping, you know, our team with our accounts. So I just have a lot of information. You know, a lot of people don't get to see as a marketer, 70 different accounts um, every month. They don't get to, you know, go through all those different unique situations. And so just through osmosis almost, you know, you're able to learn a lot. And I think I got a little lucky there. You know, this, I, 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 on one level, you know, I, I really understand your story. There's a second level though, where I feel that, uh, this is, it's, it's energetic, like wizard work, right? You're like moving energy around. And, uh, uh, the, the whole, the way I've always looked at businesses is that they're kind of like a spaceship and you can fly that spaceship wherever you want to go. Uh, and sometimes you need help flying that spaceship, but but it, it sounds like you kind of have created a situation where you're working more with energy. And I mean, you're, there's an interpersonal thing, but it sounds like you're doing a lot of kind of like wizard energy work. Am I? Does that sound far out? Yeah, I mean, really, I'm I'm always constantly thinking, okay, you know, infrastructure in the organization gaps in essentially where I don't have enough talent, where clients have high expectations. Than places where clients have low expectations and I have too much talent, um, because perception is reality, right? If the client doesn't value something, it doesn't matter if you're good at it or not. Um, and so, you know, I really just focus, I guess, on the game of consulting. Like what people don't understand about marketing and business, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, but you know, maybe the most your skills could equate to your success is ten percent. Um, so like your ability to do SEO is drastically less important than your ability to get buy-in for your SEO. Yeah. Like your ability to pitch strategy is actually more important once you get to a certain level than your ability to even execute the strategy. Like, it's really funny. Like your ability to manage your direct reports is more important than your ability to do the work that your direct reports do. Like, and people don't necessarily get there and find the value in it or the passion in it. And so they don't, you know, develop themselves. And that's how they get stuck doing a lot of the work they're still doing. They were doing five years ago doing today is because they weren't really willing to essentially reinvent themselves every day and do all the things that they're uncomfortable with, that they're scared of, that they're bad at. And, And your ability to be insecure and your ability to be vulnerable and your ability to go into uncharted territory, that's what makes you great as a professional and as a marketer. Uh, not not your knowledge of robot text files and log <laughs> file analysis and scraping and all the stupid stuff that SEO Twitter values. It, it's the it's your ability to work with other men and women, get them inspired and accomplish a common objective. The way you do it just happens to be with SEO, but your SEO ability is far less important than your ability to wrangle the troops and focus on to do goal setting, to clearly communicate, to consistently communicate, to execute, to pitch new strategy, to all of that. That's the real game uh, that, you know, frankly, not enough people have developed their skill set in. And that's why they don't make the money they want to make and they don't get the accounts they want to get, uh, you know, and, and that's the that's the real game. That's amazing that I'm, I'm inspired, man. Like, uh, so like that. uh <laughs> That real that's no, I really am. That's that's because uh, you know it's interesting because you you say yeah you know you're just doing these tasks but uh, you know I just want to touch again on like like right after I said this it's kind of wizard work you said well perception is reality and and that's that that's like a kind of a shamanistic sort of experience to be able to shape reality into a a, a mechanism that is most optimal for your you know humanness. Does that, does that make well, sense? And, yeah. And, you know, the truth is, is the barrier to entry to greatness is so pathetically low that we could all accomplish it. We're just not willing to do some really basic things. Like, here's a couple things that I promise if every podcast listener and every person you talk with did, they would make 10 times more money than they ever dreamed about. Oh, I like um, 10 times more money. Number one, right? Wear whatever your boss wears. It's not that hard. Um, the boss shows up in a suit every day. You wear a suit. The boss wears a jacket, but jeans, you wear a jacket and jeans. Easiest thing you can do. My boss is a woman and she wears a sundress. 
So perfect. (laughs) She's casual and you could be casual, but everyone, once again, like perception is reality. People perceive how smart you are by, and how much you care by how much you care about yourself. And a lot of that goes into your appearance. So what are you wearing, Garrett? Uh, jeans, (laughs) jacket, collared shirt, same thing almost every day. Right. And then second is showing up early. I, I, I know that sounds silly, but like people don't show up before the boss. I can't tell you how many times I'm in a room waiting for everybody else to show up. It's about 95% of the time. If the one person just shows up five, 10 minutes before me every time and is prepared with notes out, computer down, cell phone away, all of a sudden you think, wow, that person's really professional. They're really on it, right? And it's not that hard. You'll be the only one in the room who showed up early, right? The, the other stuff is just that basic stuff. Like, why don't you send your direct report, if they don't, even if they don't ask for it, an update every week, what you did, why you did it, what you're doing next. You'll be their favorite employee. Like I'm telling you, this kind of like if you read one book a month, you'd read 12 more books than everyone else every year. Like the the barrier to entry is so low. If you read 15 minutes a day, you'd read 15 more minutes than everyone else in your company. Like guaranteed. We have three hours on Netflix, but we can't do 30 minutes in reading. And, and so that's the reason why people aren't always accomplishing what they want is because they're not willing to do the things that it takes. And it's actually not that much. It's just being really consistent. Yeah, I, I, another way of saying this is think about the dumbest person you've ever met in your life and then just realize that 50% of the people are dumber than that. Yeah, it, <laughs> and it's, not, it's like just if you want to be great, you, you have to look at like your habits and you have to go look at really how you approach every situation and make sure that you know, you're honoring – like if someone thinks like if your boss thinks something's valuable, you treat it 10 times more valuable than them and you'll always be aligned. Like so if a client has a problem, you show them 10 times more energy than they're showing you in the problem in your solution. You'll always keep that client. It, it's like these really simple principles that allow you to be really successful. Like client is acting, you know, two out of 10 afraid. You give them eight out of 10 on strategy to solve their problem. They're like, wow, this guy really is aligned with me and cares. And you figure that kind of stuff out and all of a sudden the game gets a lot easier. I like what you said earlier about how a lot of people feel insecurity and the ones that succeed are the ones that can act in spite of or in spite of their fears. Uh, Because I I see that as like the catalyst for all businesses to grow. Um, I think that too many people are afraid to take action because they they think they're going to fail or they think they're going to get embarrassed or or whatever, whatever is the roadblock in the way. Um, but I, I look at things like to to build your um, your business credibility. You talked about generating excitement for clients, but I think it's also about personal branding mm-hmm. and you know having you know being able to go on a Facebook Live, being able to do a podcast and put yourself out there and take the criticisms that will come. Um, and yeah. so I, I see a lot of that, and I think um, I really I really see that as a sweet spot in uh, in what what helps uh, you know those that fail versus those that succeed. Well, and Justin, I think, you know, what you're touching on there is important in the sense that, you know, when like a lot of times people blame their lack of risk taking or their lack of whatever they're doing, the lack of based on their culture or their company, right? They, yeah. they say, well, you know, last guy who took that risk, he got let go or something like that. Um, or, hey, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want the boss to chew me out. I don't want, you know, to get in trouble. But the truth is, is like, if that's what your culture is like, you might need to leave that company. It is still at will employment in the U.S., right? It's not slavery. You can you can leave, um, number one. Or number two, you just have to, you know, hinder expectations appropriately, but still take risks. But I think the real reason people don't take risks and aren't more creative has nothing to do with their cultures. It has everything to do with their own insecurity, right? They're the same people that have been dating someone for eight years, and they're not sure if they want to get married or not because they're scared of that. They're, they're just genuinely people who are scared of exposing themselves to risk. You can see it in the way they communicate daily, how they prepare, how they think. And those men and women hit points of like kind of plateauing in their career because essentially they're in these environments where they get comfortable and then they get lazy in that comfort and then they stop growing. And it it, it happens actually really a lot. It happens to myself, it happens to everyone where we kind of stagnate. And one of the easiest ways to fix that is by reading, right? Because we only know what we're aware of. And the easiest way to essentially grow your awareness is to consume new information. And from that new information, you can take new action. And that's how you start to get yourself out of those ruts is by consuming new information. So when I get stuck on a problem, I just go buy as many books as I can around that problem. And next thing you know, I'm full of solutions. And so as long as you have these kind of models and frameworks to how to get yourself unstuck, 
you know, the sky's the limit. Well, before I took this journey of entrepreneurship and personal growth, I will completely uh, empathize with you talking about getting to that level of comfort and just feeling, you know, getting stuck and plateauing because I, I was in corporate America before I started my own company in internet marketing. And uh, that's exactly what happened. And also, I think that as a worker, I, you know, I think everybody in my company, this is the culture that I was at, was you work to the, uh, to the lowest person's productivity. So whoever has the least productivity, uh, everyone tries to match that because it's like, why, why work harder than the person that's, you know, that's working yep. the least? Yep. So I, that's kind of a, I think, a natural mindset for people to adopt. So, yeah, taking that extra step, reading a book and letting yourself continue to grow. Uh, yeah, hugely important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, it, it, it sounds like we've all been at that, at that particular stage of being stuck. And, you know, obviously what follows after that? Well, you know, depression or needing to get high to like feel something again or get wasted or whatever. And, you know, it's and then you're not you're you're, you're not eating as well. And so, you know, it does it, it all of a sudden you're like, you know, Netflixing for 10 hours, you're you're you know, 20 pounds overweight and, uh, you're doing a podcast. You're probably not doing a podcast <laughs> right now, right now. I'm but yeah, doing... that's your, that was your person. That was personal story. Yeah. That's right. No, but, 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 uh, but, but you hit on a good point here, uh, which is, which is really, uh, critical because, you know, we, we've talked to a, a lot of entrepreneurs who get to that point where it's like, you got to break through to kind of level up. And, and part of it is also being brave enough and it, it, to just yeah. say, this is it. I've got to jump and I'm going to sacrifice everything that's not working to bring in the next thing. And if you can really do that and connect to that decision to just let it go, no matter where the chips may fall, um, doorways open. And then, uh, you know, the universe will show you exactly where you need. The analogy I can make is I think back to like high school wrestling. Uh, when I, <laughs> my first year in wrestling, I was so incredibly terrible that I think I won two matches the entire year, but I put, you know, put it, I put myself out there. I did the work and the next year I was, uh, above average and continued to grow. But the, I mean, uh, the, the point is though, that, uh, like taking the risk and doing it, you get better. The more yeah. you do something, you get better. Yeah. Like that's just the law of the of the world. But it's a mentality, right, guys? Like yeah. you know my point. Like like when I played soccer, I wanted to be the best, right? And, and the very first team I got on, I got on a silver team. It, the way it works in California, I know you guys are from here, but like it was bronze, silver, silver league, gold, premier. So I was like the second worst team, essentially, like you could be. And I got cut. Like every one of my stories is literally just based on failure. So I got cut from that team. So I decided like I was going to never get cut again and be the best I could be. And so I just essentially found the coach who was the best coach around and I washed his car. I did whatever it took to get free lessons because I had no money. And then I would just do lessons with this guy and I would train on my own seven times a week. Next thing you know, I was on the number one team in the country uh, three years later. And, and so like, it, like I want to get good at golf. I was shooting about a 115, 120. I just shot a 78 nine months later. And all I did was practice 30 minutes every day. My point is like, you can do anything you want in this world if you're willing to be consistent and be okay with where you're at to be where you want to be tomorrow. And as long as you just keep grinding it out, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. It's just a lot. It's just a, you know, a lot of us just don't take enough ownership. Like ownership breeds excellence. I have a lot of like values, like perception is reality. Ownership breeds excellence. So if you just own the fact that you're bad because you didn't put any effort in, and that you could be great if you did put effort in, and then consistently put effort in, you'll be great. And just learning how that all works and learning how to have self-awareness and take ownership of yourself and your actions. Oh, taking ownership is huge. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you know what, That's just what allows it to work. Oh, right? you, know, yeah. you know what drives me crazy about this day and age? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is the thing that is killing us as a species because everybody has some sort of like opinion or idea or like way of being that someone else should be. Yet if they just took 10 yeah. seconds to look around themselves to be like, holy crap, I'm doing that. Right. And 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 th there's so much of this. And so uh, we get into these uh, thought patterns that are continuous because, uh, you know, we we made some decision when we were six years old that we're not going to trust people because someone fucked you out of a birthday party and the clown didn't show up or whatever. And now years later, you're <laughs> yeah. like, you know, I can't trust anybody because your life is being driven by a, uh, a six year old who is on an angry. Yeah. He said he's an angry six year old driving a bus and you're in the back seat. 
And, uh, and, yeah. and so part of it has to be about healing your own personal story and healing your own lineage. And now that six-year-old is doing a podcast right now too, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> a very successful After, podcast. Uh, yeah, a very successful podcast. We are the 19th most, uh, most recommended podcast uh, for marketing, according to a website. We're the 19th best podcast. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I, I just wanted to say that I think I think another issue with uh, with with people taking risks and getting out there is sometimes people look at the like the top performers in an industry and they they compare themselves to that level right off the bat. And I, and I think you have to kind of you know take it in steps. It's like let's look at somebody that's ahead of me, but not you know not the like not Gary Vaynerchuk, but somebody that's yeah. you know one step, two steps ahead of me, and model that person. Yeah. Um, and, and so I can master those skills first and I can get to, you know, I can get to the top level, but it's going to take. Yeah. That, well, the, the thing is, 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 is not to, yeah. not to compare yourself to, to like the, the, those people it's to compare yourself to how you were yesterday. And if you can just like, well, yeah. well, today I just did this. I just read this thing. I meditated for five minutes and I didn't do that yesterday. You know, that is, that is all you need. Well, and there's nothing worse than comparing and despairing, you know, and, and we, we all love to do that. We're so darn good at it. Like we specialize in comparing and despairing. And, and it stinks because, you know, the truth is, is we all have unique gifts that are truly unique to who we are and how we were raised and how we were born. And the, the, those types of gifts, we need to learn how to leverage based on our passions, right? So you take your gifts plus your passions and that's when you can do really well. But yeah, I don't know. I think we also look at people who have these other skills like, well, I can't code, so I can never do that. Or I can't do this, so I can never do that. But the truth is, if you just took 30 minutes a day to learn to code, you learn to code too, Yeah. right? Like you can do anything. Like if you just stay consistent with it, like it truly isn't impossible. Yeah, it's hard it's for just a lot of a lot people. It's impossible for us to be consistent. Yeah. yeah. It's like a podcast. Yeah. You do one episode every month. You didn't grow. You start doing three a week and you start being consistent. You get better guests. You have the right preparation, you have the right questions, you do the right promotion. And then five years later, you're really successful, but not five days, not five months, you know, it, it, five years. And, and then you're part of my take and everybody thinks you're the greatest, right? And yeah. so it, it it's a it's a game of consistency in any space. It's it's that's that's great advice, man. Well, we're we're creeping up on the hour, but I got I got I got one last question. Uh, and and that is if you are because you're a young guy, right? To aren't you? You're like how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? 27. You're 27. God damn. Uh, Pretty young. <laughs> no, no, that's that's amazing. You know, you've got a lot of this figured out. How old are you, Andros, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 106. The what? I'm sorry. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh so if 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 you were to project yourself to say your 50-year-old self, uh what do you what do you see that person as like at 50, where will you be? Where do you, where do you, where are you projecting yourself to be at 50? I'll probably be running a global enterprise software company and have a lot better multiple and way better gross profit margins and a better financial type business than professional services. Yeah. Where, where, where will you be uh, in your, uh, if, how are you making the world a better place? Like where, what are you doing to really change the paradigm of what, what people are doing, like how people are stuck? Because the thing that I can get from you is that one of the things you're geeky about is empowerment and empowering yourself and overcoming yeah. your own personal obstacles. So, so where, what do you, what would you do with that in the future? Or would you do something with that in the future to help people also do that and level up? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, if we go future casting, I kind of envision uh, one day I'm going to get a bug, get a little itch for a cause or something I'm truly passionate about. Um, and I'll probably just sell everything and just do that. Uh, and it'll have to be big. It'll have to be something. You know, the, one of the big reasons why I'm doing the type of agency I'm doing right now is because I want to get better at managing men and women and inspiring them, creating a culture and policies that allow for great work and great freedom and the things that I value. Uh, and then learning how to attract those people, retain those people, develop those men and women uh, to be the best they can be. And so, you know, one day I could totally see myself running, you know, tens of thousands, a type organization of employees and people and uh, balancing that stress. I think I've, you know, 
seen a lot and done a lot uh, at a young age when it comes to just life experience and business experience um, that, you know, I think I'll be uniquely gifted and prepared for that. Let's say at 50, where you could have, you know, 25, 30, hundred thousand employees uh, in a global nonprofit or even a global for-profit type business. Now, do you see yourself as a speaker also? Do you, you plan on like speaking at these uh, SEO conferences where you initially got started? Uh, do you, do you want to build your personal brand to be a recognized person in the world or where, where do you want to take that? Um, yeah, I speak at about like 20 something events a year, maybe 30. I pitch about a hundred. I don't get that many of my pitches. Um, for me, I, I never want to look back and said I could have done more. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty stretched usually, uh, around that. Uh, right now do, I do speak a lot though. I speak at every digital summit event in the country. If I don't have a prior conflict, um, so, you know, I, I, last week I, I was probably in an airplane, you know, most of the entire week, uh, speaking and traveling and doing all that. So I got a book coming out, um, hopefully soon. I I'm trying to get the book proposal accepted. Um, but already writ, mo- written most of the manuscripts. So getting my first book out there, hopefully that'll help me get more speaking gigs, but yeah, I'm just kind of going through the process, taking the punches. I get, I get told no, probably 95% of the time, maybe more than that. Um, do you want to be like a household name though? Do you want to be like a, a Jeff Bezos, um, you know, Bill Gates, or, or do you want to be more under the radar? I don't know. I think the second you start worrying about that, you never get there because you're worried <laughs> about the wrong thing. That's um, probably very true. <laughs> I, I think if, you know, if that's part of God's plan for me is, is to put me in a public spotlight. Uh, I think he chooses that for me more than I choose it for myself because yeah. I trust me, I've pitched a lot of places. Um, it's really easy to get told no. And the way society chooses the people that it idolizes, I don't think is necessarily um, repeatable. I don't think there's a there's a game plan to becoming a Jeff Bezos or one of those people because there's plenty of other guys with multi-billion dollar companies that we don't know or yeah. care about. Like the guy who runs Westrock or the guy who runs Tencent or the guy that runs all those other companies or yep. the woman that runs those companies as well. So, you know, I think society kind of chooses those based on your intrinsic nature as well as your nurture, but a lot of just who you are as a man or a woman. Uh, and so I'm not sure I could maybe see myself in politics. I see myself doing a lot of that stuff. I enjoy speaking, um, but I don't, I don't like the future cast. I just like to prepare myself for whatever I have tomorrow by stretching myself as thin as possible today and doing the things that I'm uncomfortable with to make me better. And, and eventually, you know, I'll be ready for whatever that is. That's, that's so cool. Where, where can we find you? Where, like to, to tell us like uh, if we, if someone wants to like, uh, Follow you, get in contact with you, find out more about you. Yeah. Where where can we do that? So you can email me uh, first initial G, last name Mirgut. So G Mirgut at directiveconsulting dot com. Better spell Mirgut. You, you better spell Mirgut. Oh, yeah. M E H R G U T H, and it'll be in the show notes. So you can just copy that, put a G in front of it, and then at directiveconsulting.com. dot uh, com. Twitter at G Mirgut. Um, LinkedIn Garrett Mirgut. Yeah, just give me a ring. Uh, feel free to shoot me an email and uh, yeah, I'd love to chat and just talk life. If you have any questions about marketing uh, business, hopefully I can help uh, maybe even, you know, introduce you to the right people and maybe there's a job here, a job somewhere else, but yeah, whatever you need, love to help. Man, I, uh, I, I would love to have you back on the show. Would you, uh, would you agree to that? So I have it like, it, of course. oh yeah, see, yeah. you heard it. You well, before, before we wrap here, before we wrap here, you also have a podcast. Why don't you just tell our listeners where they can listen to your show as well? Yeah, I'm not uh, intrinsically on the show. Blake Emmel, uh, amazing podcast host. He's got world-class guests. It's called Yours in Marketing. Um, he interviews mostly uh, large influencers in search marketing or in business, uh, but usually like around marketing titles. So VP, CMOs of large organizations or really uh, well-known consultants. Really great show. Um, a lot like this show in the sense that we talk a lot more about the the woman or the man than we do the tactics. Um, yeah. because what what I've learned and what I think is most important is everybody has the same access to information for the most part these days. And it's really not the information that makes you great. It's the mentality and the approach and your habits. And so the more you focus on yourself and less on the work, once you get to a place where you're actually obviously, you know, in the one percentile of the work, pivot away from focusing on the work and start focusing on leadership, character, management, finances, sales, and all those pieces of, of you as a person. And you'll be a lot more successful. And our show tries to highlight that and talks about, you know, why people were successful from their nature and their, their curiosity and their, who they are as a person. Uh, I think that's really the differentiator. Nice. Well, Garrett, Garrett Mergut. Yes. <laughs> did, they, did they do it? Did they do it? That was great. That was pretty much flawless. Yeah. <laughs>
Thank you so much for uh, uh, being. And now uh, we're going to get uh, some big music to play us out. So, uh, Garrett uh, Merigut, I uh, thank you so much. This was a empowering, amazing uh, hour. Uh, and uh, Justin, what do you think? Yeah, lots of good info. I like how you got into the personal growth aspect and not just the technical stuff. Um, but what I like most was when you talked about how maybe the most your skills can equate to success is 10%. Uh, I think that's amazing because I think uh, people accredit their skills too much. So great stuff coming from you, Garrett. Thank you. Thank you. Any feedback for us, Garrett? No, man. Thank you, guys. This is great. Yeah, right on. Well, uh, so, uh, yeah, please uh, uh, follow Garrett and uh, follow, uh, you know, tell 10,000 of your closest friends about us. And even though we say not to watch Netflix, go watch Netflix's show Dark. It's like the greatest show I've ever seen in my life. Oh, OK. OK. And uh, what are you any, anything you're geeky about, Garrett, before we go? Um, golf. Golf. Yeah, mostly golf. Golf. Are you for or against Tiger Woods? Oh, I I love a good storyline. Who doesn't, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody. And with that, Marketing Geeks out. Stay classy.